everyone and welcome to another Bible study here at One Love Live at Love Walk. And I'd like to thank you so much for tuning in to today's uh, Bible study. My name is Leela Winston and I'm your host today. Uh, I want to invite you to turn with me in the Bible as we read and study the Word of God so that we can practically apply it to our lives and accomplish the um, goals or the uh, purpose of our life. And so today we're going to read in 1 Samuel. I think this is a really powerful uh, section of scriptures. um, And we're going to learn what we can get from this scripture and how we can apply it to our life and how it actually applies to our life. So we're going to read today in 1 Samuel chapter 3. So if you would grab your Bibles, we're going to turn now to the first verse in chapter 3 of 1 Samuel. And I'm going to start reading. And the, child of, and the child Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place, and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep, that the Lord called Samuel, And he answered, here am I. So we're only going to read to uh, verse four, um, because what we want to study is actually in these four verses. And I want to sort of pull some things out um, because, you know, a lot of times we're looking at the priesthood and I want us to look at the priesthood so that we can understand our position in the kingdom of God and how that we are a royal priesthood and a holy nation. So I want us to note here that in these times, this time that we're reading about where Samuel is serving and he's serving under Eli, that the priests were very much out of order and not so much as Eli, you know, he was an old priest, but um, it was his sons that were kind of running amok and he was pretty much doing nothing to stop them. And if you understand that the Levites had the charge of the temple. That means they took care of it. They administered it when there needed to be, you know, sacrifices and things like that done. They were the ones to do it. So, you know, you had very serious issues where people were coming, you know, um, they had, you know, serious issues going on. So to have the priests who were actually not serious was kind of a big problem. So the priests were really out of order um, and the priests are the keepers of the law. And we have to remember also that they are sort of the, um, uh, the custodians of the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the Ark of the Covenant is very important, and we now see that that Ark has a very interesting place in our lives as believers, but this time on a spiritual level. We have to remember that the Old Testament is the physical manifestation, and the New Testament is that spiritual manifestation that comes in our lives. And we're going to look at that right now, because if you can remember The Ark of the Covenant has three things in it. It has three things in it. And I think it's important for us to understand this this very important principle of three. We have a triune God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. We have a triune humanity. We have the spirit, we have the soul, and we have the body. So we're seeing God do this all throughout scripture. And so if we look what's inside of the Ark, there are three things. There's the manna. There's a golden, you know, pot that has the manna in there from when they were, uh, you know, sort of wandering in the wilderness. The second thing it has is a budding rod. And that was, it was Aaron, it was, I'm sorry, it was Aaron's rod that he used. And they used that to kind of, you know, sort of guide people and 
you know, tell them where to go and, and what to do. And then, of course, there were also the Ten Commandments, if you can remember those tablets that were written in stone by the finger of God. So I think this is really, really very powerful where you're seeing that you have these three components. And I want to remind you of what that stands for. The manna is God's provision. And this is something, and and I want you to understand what the ark is. The ark has become our heart. Um, But let us go ahead and look at this. The ark has within it, it has the manna, which is God's provision for our lives. It has the rod, which is God's direction and correction for our lives. And of course, it has the Ten Commandments, which is God's word, his expressed um, contract with us. And if we look in the Bible and we see these, these things not only represent the ways in which we interact with the Godhead, it also, you know, illustrates, you know, um, our life here on earth. It illustrates that bread when we talk about provision that God is going to provide provision for us. It means that he will always be there to direct us and also to correct us. And of course, um, the Ten Commandments, which is God's word. So let's go ahead and look and, and, and see now that, you know, in this ark, uh, it is a reminder of who God has been to the children of Israel and his covenant with them. And so the priest did not attempt to correct the people with the ark or the Ten Commandments. Um, and we have to remember that the Ten Commandments, it's God's agreement with Hebrew with the Hebrews. The tablet signifies the Hebrew side of the bargain, while the contents of the ark, which is, you know, his, his rod and, of course, the manna, it represents, you know, his, God's side of the bargain. God is going to um, create or provide provision for you, and his rod is going to direct you and correct you. And then, of course, the commandments, thou shalt not do this, that, and the third. It's your part of the bargain. So we're seeing something really very interesting here. And as we are offering, uh, and as we know, offerings are also about relationships. So we know that the priests were in charge of offerings. And we see that in the times that we're in now, the priests themselves were not facilitating that relationship between the people and God by properly administrating the temple, you know, and by reminding people of the law and what was in the law. And as part of the new covenant, now we take the place of Aaron and his sons. Our high priest is Christ. So then our service is to God, our sacrifice, the spreading of the gospel, the equipping of the saints is all of our work. And so we have to ask ourselves, are we sleeping on the job? You know, and we have to remember that as royal priests, we are the keepers of the law. Now it is written on our hearts so that our lives, deeds and speech, uh, men may read and men may see. I want to remind you of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2 to verse 3. It says, you are our letter written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the letter of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshy tables of the heart. Do you recognize that language? We just read it in in Samuel. We just listened. We just talked about that, that idea of, you know, written the word being written on the heart, that idea of ministering 
It says the letter of Christ ministered by us. So we, as the believers, the royal priesthood are now ministers. And who are they ministering to? They're ministering to other believers. They're ministering to other believers. And when you don't have that relationship, you really don't have conversation or communion. And that's really what we see in this scripture where it says the word of the Lord was precious. What that means is it was rare. That means they didn't hear it very much. And so God did, uh, God's word was scarce because there was a breach in the relationship. And whenever there's a breach in the relationship, there's no communication. There's no communing that goes on. This means that there was a lack of direction and there was a distance between God and the Hebrews at that time. Can you imagine being in Israel at that time during a pivotal battle or a pivotal situation and there's no word of the Lord? If you didn't have direction in your life and, and no comfort and, and worry, you know, um, if you didn't have direction in your life and you didn't have comfort, all you could do is worry. All you could do is, is have that breach between you and God. And I think this is a really important aspect to, to understand. And so you might ask, well, well, what do you mean? A breach could be sin. It could be a bad habit. It could be unforgiveness. It could be anger or bitterness. But I'm going to tell you something that maybe a lot of people may not tell you, which can be a breach between you and the Lord. It could be indifference, laziness to pursue God not willing to study the word or refusal to sacrifice, keeping it back for yourself. There are many kinds of sacrifices for a believer. As a royal priesthood, we're not sacrificing goats and lambs and turtle doves. We are sacrificing wants and desires, comforts, friendships, goals, yes, you know, sometimes dreams, but mostly our will and ourselves. And many times we know a thing God wants, but the sacrifice of it would be too great a thing for us to bear in loss, in personal pride, in embarrassment, in humility, in discomfort and loss. So we hold off and we hold off. And I want to remind you something that is in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God which is your reasonable service. And then let's grab another one. The Bible says in James chapter four, verse eight, to draw near to God and he will draw close to you. And you have to do the drawing first. You have to draw close first. God wants you to be the first one to kind of reach over. And that's important because he wants you to be the one to have wanted it. You have to have the will to do it. And so we have to realize that we have to reach out for a relationship with Christ. But as priests, we must do the work, the work of God. Ours is one of faith and renewing the mind to have the mind that was also in Christ, as it says in Philippians chapter two and verse five. Relationship is where we must get back to our conversation with the Lord, our communing with the Lord. In Romans chapter 12, uh, chapter 12, verse 2, we are reminded on how to get that mind of Christ. And it tells us that when we have restored that level of relationship, then we begin to get direction, proving God's good, acceptable, and perfect will. Let's read it. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Remember, 
that that's what Samuel was doing. If you realize in 1 Samuel chapter 3 that the word of God was prized, but it actually came to Samuel, you see him proving that good, perfect, and acceptable will. Notice that all it took was one word, Samuel's own name. After so long of being silent, God now opens his mouth to speak through eternity into time in the hearing of Samuel. Now remember in 1 Samuel chapter 3 verse 1, it says that Samuel ministered before the Lord. So he was doing God's will. Even in an environment as wicked as the house of Eli, this young man was living and doing what is right in the sight of God. Just because you live in a wicked generation doesn't mean you have to do what they do. He kept ministering and that gave him access to God. This verse is a reminder that God can change your life in an instant with one word from him. We delay to read and study his word, not knowing that one word in that mighty book could change our lives, pivot the trajectory of our course, and set us on a path we could not have dreamed of. He was faithful to keep ministering. Even when the word of God was precious, Samuel kept going. He kept doing it right. And I wanna encourage you for three things in this study to keep your relationship open with God, to keep hearing. And the first is to keep doing what is right despite the environment. The second is keep ministering to God. That means studying your Bible, praying, fasting, teaching, spreading the gospel, being sensitive to God's will in sacrificing your will and your wants in submission to God's. And then finally, to remember God's promise in the ark. Keep your relationship with God open because that's how you have communication. The reason the Hebrews or Israel didn't have that, that voice from the Lord is because that relationship was thrown off. The priests who were supposed to be there helping the Hebrews to grow and learn in the Lord and in the word and in in the law, they weren't doing that. And so there caused a breach in their relationship with God. And so the voice of the Lord, his direction, that that was silent. It was broken. And I want to tell you, if you want to connect with God truly and really stand in his work and really know what to do next in your life in these perilous times, it's really important that you do those three things that I mentioned. Take your time and listen to this Bible study a second time. Pull out the verses and really see what it's saying to you. So I pray that you will take the time to do that. And I pray that God will direct you into all truth. God bless. Bye.